0: Is faster better? Should we give 101%? Hey, this is Lee, and you're listening to Curly Questions podcast, a show with no straight answer. Today, we're going on a fast lane to discover why we should slow down. And yes, you heard it correctly. We're slowing that down with our guest for tonight, Jason from Minds at Work. But before I introduce Jason, I'd like to thank Code for Australia for letting us use their awesome co-working space right in the heart of his joy. Um, I first met Jason at an event hosted at Code for Australia. He was the guest speaker from Centre of Sustainability and he said something that caught my attention. Well, he said, the clue is on the door of every building. It says push and I thought I'll try my luck. Very witty and so here we are. Well, after that event I've been checking out his LinkedIn articles and I really like what Jason wrote about busy brains, bad decision. When the brains get busy, the stomach does the thinking which explains why you're eating lots of chocolate tonight. So forget about gym, just slow down to slim down. Sounds interesting. So here we go. And I would like to start off by asking Jason a question. What is a common and biased question you had heard, and why?
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I, I would say probably the, the most obvious question that I get, and I would imagine we all get, and it's a question of, which was tr- tremendously loaded with bias, is the first question people ask is, so, are you busy? You know, we don't ask, are you happy? are you rested are you enjoying your life are you doing meaningful work now are you busy and i think that question is loaded because being busy is meant to be good and not being busy is meant to be a sign of something terrible so being busy has never been my goal in fact i feel like if i'm flat out i've somehow failed so my job is to or my life really is is try to slow things down do things properly think a little more deeply than most people get the chance to do so when someone says are you busy have you been busy i'll say no no, not really. I've been very successful this week. I've not been busy at all. And they look at me with such shock. You know, they say, are you okay? Is everything all right? So I think this bias that busy is better than not busy, uh, I don't know where this has come from, but it wasn't like this 10 years ago. And uh, I think it shows a bias towards just activity, just madly running around is better than being calm and relaxed and uh, happy.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I can't imagine that people are shocked when you say that you're not busy. Um, I guess probably to unpack, are you busy? Um, does it mean that you are being more productive or not? Because that could be something that we associate with. Mm. So i love to unpack that a little bit.
1: I think it's about productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that you're supposed to go, oh, yeah, I'm so busy. We're doing so much at the moment. and It makes you important, mm-hmm. you know, that you must be a tremendously vital and significant person because you are flat out and you have no time to do anything properly. It's a sign of how valuable you are. Whereas the world that I live in, my value to my clients is that I've got time to think. You know, and if I was to crowd my head with the same rubbish that theirs is crowded with, I would be no use to them at all. So, I mean, the thing that all of my clients will say is that every day they have more things to think about, but they have less time to think about them. Well, that's an unsustainable situation. And I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that someone like me can have the kind of business that I've got, where my job is to think about a problem that a client has and spend a lot of time just walking around art galleries and drinking coffee until I come up with an idea. That's ridiculous. No one should get paid doing that, but I do. So oh. I've, I've learnt the value of thinking about fewer things and being less frantic than the rest of us.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Um, just like you spoke about, you know, there's, a, there's a sense of feeling important, feeling that you're yeah, of value and therefore you become busy Mm. and if you were to deep dive that a little bit more do you feel that so so because everyone is being busy and there's a bit of social pressure and a bit of competition to say i have to be be busy therefore i seems like i'm important
1: that's right yeah that's right Uh, the thing i find really strange about it is that's a sort of a measure of quantity Mm. you know that i'm more valuable than you because i worked 60 hours and you only worked 50 hours that says nothing about the quality of the work yeah that is simply measuring quantity so for me, time isn't, you know, it's just a pound of sausages and if you spend more time, you've done a better job. I mean, for me, my motto was to spread myself thick. And so if I could, if I could make a real contribution in less time, that's a, a much smarter measurement of value than simply the hours that you're putting. Now, I've got to say,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I should tell your listeners this, I mean, you know, I'm approaching 60 years old. So I have, I'm old enough now not to get sucked into this crap. If I was 20... And in fact, if I think about when I was 20, I would be working two or three jobs and just not getting any sleep at all, because I thought that meant I was meaningful and contributing. So when I talk to people who are 20 or 30, they are probably still in that place where they haven't got the confidence to say, I think I would be more valuable if I worked
0: less. Sounds like me. (laughs) Exactly in the same age bracket.
1: I think it's very typical of, of young people. And I think it's harder now because, and this will seem really weird, but I can remember meetings in the... Oh, my God, the 80s, the 90s, where we said, do you think ever there'll be a future where we will be able to work from home? Mm -hmm. Like that was some big theoretical thing that might happen one day. We were talking about that in the 80s. Of course, what's happened in the meantime is someone like you, you work at work and you work at home Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you work on the way to work and you work on the way to home and you probably work on the weekends. And for all I know, you work on the toilet. (laughs) So work has expanded and it has now colonised uh, all parts of your life. And it's really weird, you know, because we have this conversation about work-life balance. Yeah. And it assumes that we've got two buckets of time. There's work time and there's life time. Mm-hmm. Well, all you need is, you know, a couple of wake-up calls in your life and you realise there's only one bucket of time. It's life. And the percentage of that that you want to spend in work is completely up to you. Mm. Yeah, sounds. But but that, but that also means being clear about your priorities. See, at my age, mm-hmm. it's easier to know what I want.
2: Hmm. When
1: you're 20, you don't know anything. You, you, I'm, I'm sorry, but you don't. You don't know what it is that you want. And yeah. very often, you think about the first decade of your life, really your parents are telling you what you should be. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to appease your yep. parents. And then in the second decade of your life, you're trying to be what your friends want you to be, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? So now you have the parents and the friends and you're kind of being torn because they go in two different directions. The third decade of your life, you're trying to appease the boss. You know, you're trying to find your place in the organisation and fit in. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I'm, Onto my fifth decade now, approaching my sixth decade, I've been given the opportunity to, to look past that stuff and say, I think that's a waste of time. You know, where do I want to go? What do I want? I don't think I knew at 30. I don't think I knew at 20. It, the world didn't make sense to me until I was about 40. And then I thought, well, now I think I know what I want to do. You know, I just want to be able to think for a living and to contribute to a better society through better ideas and better thinking. But I didn't know that when I was 30, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm in my 30s and I find that the point about, you know, in your 30s, you try to like please the boss and mm. before that you're pleasing your friends and even before that your parents. That's right. And I think like in, in my space, like pleasing the boss, you just want to get faster to give results. Yeah. Um, but really, back to the episode today, is faster, Yeah. better.
1: And the boss is never going to say to you, listen, I want you to slow down. I want you to work less, you know. But the weird thing is, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but people are not present anymore. You know, so when you're talking to them, they're actually not there. They are trying to do five things in their head at the same time, plus check their messages, plus check their Facebook status, plus, 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 which means they're not present. Yeah. They're actually not in the room. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I, um, I was at a conference of academics and um, not quite sure why I was there. Already, but anyway, and the person who got up said, um, before we start today, we want to talk about the future of the university. So we really want to have a sort of a 50-year plan and you are the, the thought leaders and we need you to be here and all sort of stuff. So she said, before we start, let's just go around the room. Where are people at the moment? And the first academic said, well, I'm really not here because I'm worrying about a grant application that I have to write. And the second academic said, well, I'm not really here because uh, my mum's in hospital. And I'm really..." and We went around the entire room, and no one was actually there. I mean, they were physically there, yeah. but no one's brain was there. Yeah. And I thought, this is such a rare opportunity for yeah. these people to do some big thinking, mm-hmm. and their brains aren't there. Their, their bodies have made an appearance fee, but their minds are not in the room, and I see that a lot.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess it points back right to the point where you know, in our thirties and our twenties, we just try to generate results and yeah. to give us, give ourselves a bit of status boost. Yeah. But how do you kind of be present, but yet at the same time generate results? Like, what's the is there a best way? Is there a fast way? Is there an easy way? Probably?
1: Well, do you know what I would I would question? What do you mean by results? Do mm. You know, I, I, when I was in my thirties, I got stuff done. Yeah. I can't say it was any good. Like, I look back at it and go, well, that's pretty awful what I did there, but it, it met the goals of the, mm-hmm. the organisation. I guess you've got to say to yourself, you know, do you just want to turn out stuff? You just want to produce a volume of results or would you like to do something significant?
2: Mm.
1: I mean, the group that you met me with, the Centre for Sustainability Leadership, that whole focus is young people and by my, my metric, young is, you know, 25 to 35, mm-hmm. who are really sick of just performing and would like to do something meaningful with their lives while they still have the energy and the brains. You know, if you get, if it takes you to your 70 before you've gotten wise, you end up with, you've got no energy left in the bank. You can't do anything, <laughs> you know? So I think it's about being clear about what do you want out of life? Mm-hmm. And no one's asked you that yet.
0: Yeah. Really? It's a very hard question to answer though. Like what do you want out of life?
1: Do you know what? It is a hard question, but it's not an impossible question. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the things that I do is I say, well, let me think about the future. Let me just go 50 years into the future. Mm-hmm. Do I like where the world is going? Mm. Do I think, I like where technology is going, I like where the economy is going, I like where the environment is headed, or do I look at these things and say, okay, I'm not happy with any of this. Mm -hmm. What do I want to do with the time that I have?
2: Mm. I would
1: like to do something about A, B, C, and D. And then that becomes your goal. Then you look at your work life and say, is that getting me there? Does that make me go to that place
0: mm-hmm.
1: when i was in my 20s i was working in advertising you know i mean i'm i'm all better now Pretty yeah and i was really good at it yeah. you know i was really good at basically preying on people's insecurities and making them want things that's what you do you say listen you're you're not cool enough you know you're just not cool and if you buy this you'll be cool <laughs> and i was surprised how good i was at that and you know i got a few awards and i was getting well paid and I thought, gee, this is great. And then someone gave me a cassette tape of a lecture by David Suzuki where he talked about where the environment is going and where the world is going. And I realised that I was on the wrong side of the equation. Mm -hmm. You know, I was actually making the world worse. You know, and so what I then spent the next three or four years thinking, how do I get out of this job
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and find something more meaningful to do with my skill set? Yeah. You know, and then I've been just happy since that time on because now I feel like I've... I'm not making the world worse. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it better. And that gives me far more focus. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to produce a lot of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to work on things that matter.
0: Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that you took about three to four years to sort of work out what you want to do yeah. um, so they can get out the job that you didn't like and mm. the impact you were not creating at all. Mm. Um, and to a lot of people, I think, especially young people, I still fall under the young
1: bucket oh, you,
0: still. You, you're <laughs> like a kid. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of how do you slow yourself down and say that maybe this is not really what I want to do in, mm. for the rest of my life, mm. or, you know, maybe I should rethink about my options, but because everything is so quick, like you get bombarded by everything, like Facebook, social media, mm. everything just happened in an instance.
1: Well, let me yeah. tell you about a couple of things there. Yeah. My father told me once, he said, 99% of everything is crap. And you know <laughs> I what? Know. I think he's right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you think about a lot of the things that we hook into, so the, the electronic media, the social media, yeah. most of this is garbage. Mm-hmm. Really most of it. So what happens when you go to any high-tech conference and they'll say, you know, the, the internet doubles by, you know, once every 18 months and there's million, like, was it 500,000 hours of footage is loaded onto YouTube every hour? That's longer than I've been alive, 500,000 hours. Yeah. Uh, but most of it's cat videos. You know, most of it is news about Trump or Cardassians mm-hmm. or something. Now, you could fill your brain up with that gunk completely or you could switch it off and mm-hmm. say, I'm not. I'm not doing it. And my view is, if I'm watching... okay, Donald Trump's a good example because it's irresistible.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, headline says, president says stupid thing. Mm -hmm. Or you know what? Celebrity says stupid thing. Mm -hmm. Athlete does stupid thing. We get that headline every day in some form, right? And you go, oh, I can't wait to read what the stupid thing was. My father-in-law was a very wise old Greek man. And um, he was at a family barbecue and someone... They were making fun of one of their relatives who had said something stupid. Mm -hmm. And they said to my father-in-law, um, did you hear about the stupid thing that, you know, Vaso said or whatever, whatever it was? Mm-hmm. And my father-in-law said, why should a stupid thing be said twice? And I thought, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. If someone does or says something stupid, I don't have to consume that. Why do I want to know about that? Yeah. Am I going to do anything about it? No. Mm-hmm. Will it make me happy? No. Mm-hmm. Will it somehow empower me or make me war aware of the world? No. All it will do is gunk up my brain. <laughs> So probably the first thing that I think that I've done that I'd recommend everyone do is to have some kind of crap filter.
0: Okay.
1: Just say, okay, where will I get my information? And how often? How often do I want to know things? What sort of things am I interested in? What sort of things will help me be a better person? As opposed to let me plug in to this endless just gush of nonsense and, and things that are depressing and horrible that you're not going to do anything about. And you know, that's another loaded thing. People get upset when I say that. Because they say, Well, you're you're opting out of the world. No I'm not. I'm choosing to ignore the things that I'm not going to do anything about.
0: Yeah. And that might actually slow you down. I think like instead of like consuming everything at one time, just feel like you're overwhelmed because of the speed that you're going at. That's right. And all information that's coming at you. That's right. But
1: most of it is garbage.
0: Yes. I mean we have to
1: acknowledge that most of it is garbage. (laughs) And if you said, Well, I will read, you know, I will read this book rather than consume all of this video material unless it's something terrific
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: there are times where i will listen to 10 ted talks in a row you know just let the podcasts go and you know most of them are tremendous and i get something out of it and i get a sense of where i want to go in my life that to me is meaningful consumption of media but that's not what i think most people do it's look here's a funny picture of a cat or a sportsman did something stupid well i must give that my attention
0: yeah, yeah i think there's a so pointing to the point where we want to have instant gratification yeah around just getting the instant emotion that's in us because it's quick it's punchy just right. just feel connected immediately because it's a funny cat photo and it reminds me of my cat at yeah home.
1: that's right and there's, there's nothing wrong with that I don't, I don't have a problem with cat videos per <laughs> se but you know it's Okay, if, if you look at something and it makes you laugh mm-hmm. and it lightens your load and it gives you joy, fine, I'm all for that. Yeah. But if it, if it just makes you feel like you know the world is crap, then why did you do that?
2: Yeah. You know?
1: and, and that's the other thing. I think that this filtering becomes really important. Mm-hmm. See, for me, the only thing I'm really interested in are what are the important things that I can do something about? Yeah. That's the only thing I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm not important I'm not interested in the important things I can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so North Korea is important. I can't do anything about that. Yeah, the Zika mm-hmm. virus is important. I can't do anything about that. I can read a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but I know I'm not going to be part of the solution.
2: Mm-hmm. Climate
1: change, well maybe that's something that's important that I can do something about. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can have some say in how that works. Yep. Everything else then mm-hmm. is just trivial. And most of what we consume are trivial things. That you can't do anything about anyway. So I've got the the number of things I think about down to a very small number. I know. I mean, my mind is most of the time it's empty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I have plenty of room. So when I sit with a client or someone I'm trying to mentor, I, I have all the time in the world for their problem because mine aren't taking up the room in my head.
0: Yeah, probably slow down a fair bit. By I mean you're fast, but slow down a fair bit. I mean.
1: Yeah, that's right. Anything? That's right. But in a way, that that's slowing down. Yeah actually makes you faster. That's the weird thing. Yeah, that's right. Because in a way, it's not that, okay, for for 20 years, Mm -hmm. I've been running this business where I teach people to think. And when I first started, I thought, all they need are better tools. That's all. They just need better tools for making decisions, better tools for solving problems. Then I realised, after a little while, that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is that people haven't got the space Mm -hmm. to think in. They haven't got the time. Now, look what happens Mm -hmm. when they're on holidays or when they're on the toilet or when they're, when they're not actually working, what are they doing? Are they really savouring that quiet time to think, or are they reaching for their phone and say, let me consume some more garbage?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, to that point, I'm actually quite guilty of it. Um, mm. My partner always said that I'm not present. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Because I'm always thinking about work or what's happening today, right. what do I tackle the day tomorrow? She's like, can you just come back for yeah. a moment? Although yeah. I'm physically with her, yeah. but she's like, oh, you're
1: But isn't it weird that, yeah. that you're not there? Because this is your life. This is it. It's not a rehearsal. This is it. And you're missing it. And it's funny because I I don't have an office. So where Mm -hmm. I meet clients is usually wine bars and coffee shops and bakeries. It's very civilised. But what it means is Mm -hmm. I'm usually sitting next to a parent, sometimes two parents, Mm -hmm. who will come in with their children, quite small children. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing is they put the iPad or the phone under the kid's nose and so the kid is now either playing Candy Crush or watching Dora the Explorer or something. But the parent is not there with the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen a grandparent do that.
2: Mm, i never,
1: it. never seen it. Because a grandparent right. says, this time with this kid is precious. They won't be young for long. I won't be old for much longer. This is a time I've really got to spend with my grandchild. Look how hungry they are to be with the grandchild. They don't want to stick the grandchild into a computer or or just put their face in a screen to switch them off.
2: Yeah.
1: I heard a six-year-old girl say, I love my smartphone because it's never too busy to play with me. Oh, dear. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're now making prams that have a bracket where the iPad goes onto the pram. So when you're pushing the kid through the the mm-hmm. the park, mm-hmm. they can watch, you know, the Wiggles. <sighs> what are we doing? Wow! What are we doing? No one's here.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and I think you know that thing about be here now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is so rare. Yeah. You know,
0: it's really hard though. I think I think in today's society, like like what you mentioned, because I think the way we are brought up. Mm. And you mentioned about how parents actually nurture the children in a way that they, they love their iPads more than love their yeah. parents.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: You brought up the way that I need to get access to the information as quick as I can. Hmm. I need to be able to make decisions as quickly. But the thing is that, what's really the point? Yeah. And I, I guess, how do we kind of get people to realize that that's really the problem? Hmm. How do we arm them and make them feel like work on it? It's something important to work at? I
1: think one of the things we've got to do is we have to rediscover thought as work. We don't tend to think that if someone has been thoughtful about something, if they've spent a deep time thinking about something, we don't regard that as work. It looks like it's just goofing off. So I think we need to look at shallow work, which is all that running around just producing results that don't particularly mean anything. And I've got to tell you, if I work with, say, boards or even you know local government like at council level everyone is so busy reacting to things no one's thinking about the future and yet what are those people in that leadership role there for they're there to think further ahead And to anticipate and say where will the needs of this community be in 10 15 or 20 years time but they're not they're thinking about the next budget cycle or they're thinking about the next election and to me that's just insane it means that no one's looking out the the front window thinking about the future everyone's head down and so busy and that's why there's this massive retreat industry where you have to leave the workplace and you have to go to this place that we call a retreat which is such an interesting word because we're running away from the place where we work yeah. people have to go to these places so they can think mm-hmm. you know and then when they go they take the office with them and they spend the whole time checking up on what's happening back at the shop
0: yeah it's true though i mean even now when i was at a conference i have been checking all my emails and all my messages yeah. just to make sure i stay relevant yeah so you weren't there and contents on fires if i can yeah but you weren't there <laughs> yeah you weren't there yeah. you
1: know so when we said okay well, where do we want to be in 10 or 15 or 20 years time you probably really weren't engaged in that conversation yeah.
0: but i think it's just so hard because like Just like anyone at work or even politician, they are created for the news they put out there. They are created for the results they deliver in six months. That's right. And therefore, that's where you get instant, quick results. But you then have a very short-term focus. No one is looking at the impact you're creating five years later, ten years later. That's right. How do you get them to see that, you know, Short term is great, but also let's look at longer term stuff. What exactly are you going to create at the end?
1: Well, I can tell you, I'll tell you a story about what happened uh, with me because we do work with community groups and leadership groups, and the the focus is always about the short term. And my job is to keep pulling them into the longer term issues. Mm -hmm. And I can remember we were working with a farming community. And it hadn't rained for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'd say to the farmers, okay, what do we want to talk about the future of the community? They wouldn't talk about anything other than the drought, right? They talked about the drought, the drought, the drought, the drought, the drought. Anyway, the day was really not going very well because I couldn't get them to think beyond the drought. Just before lunch, it rained. Uh, There was this huge downpour and you can hear the sound of the rain on the the tin roof. It was quite loud. Mm -hmm. And the farmers were really excited because it was a good, solid downpour. After lunch, Mm -hmm. they stopped talking about the drought. (laughs) And they started talking about how all of our food is being grown by people who are in their 70s. So farmers are getting older and older. Farms are getting bigger and bigger. The communities Mm -hmm. are shrinking because the kids are leaving Mm -hmm. because the farmers don't want the kids to change the farm. And they started talking about what were really long-term issues. They started talking about climate change. They started talking about our relationship with fire. They started talking about um, the the price of what you buy at the farm. And, you know, they actually got long-term because you removed the short-term issue. Yeah. And it taught me something. It says, okay, we need to imagine that that's been taken care of. Mm. We need to imagine that you are going to win the next election, or that the budget's going to be fine. You know, I've got to get them into a space where they can put those thoughts down. And sometimes it's just saying, what's in your face right now? What are you currently thinking about? And how do we put it aside just for an hour? Mm -hmm. I only want an hour. You know, can you give me five minutes of just longer term thinking? So as a facilitator, you just learn all these different tricks Mm -hmm. to try to get people to park what is really stopping them from seeing the opportunity that they have in front of them?
0: Yeah, I guess it's always harder, like when you're always in this space. And that's where facilitation comes in as well. Yeah.
1: I think the thing is that someone told me once that uh, when you look at a behavior, if you don't understand it, mm-hmm. look to where the incentives are. Yeah. How is that behavior being rewarded? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you hear about, uh, you know, bullying in the army or the police or a football club, you know, we shouldn't be surprised about that because that behaviour is rewarded. Mm. It, is, it is tolerated. It mm-hmm. is accepted. Mm-hmm. It is actually uh, supported yeah. in a way. And so when I look at sort of strange behaviour of people in the workplace, and this short-term micro-thinking is, a, is just a weird behaviour, yeah. it's because this is what's rewarded. People learn to respond to the incentive that they're given. If you want to change that, you have to change the incentives. You've got to reward bigger thinking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I guess it's probably hard, like, unless you're you're a leader yourself, and therefore you could change the incentive. But let's say if we're all workers Mm. and we're all in a crowd, how do we.
1: Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I was not a leader of anything when I redesigned my life. Yeah. And I wasn't in charge of anything. Mm -hmm. But I thought, well, maybe I could be in charge of my own life, where I go from here. And um, a very wise woman who I used to work with, she said, I want you to think that there are three things Mm -hmm. that we have to have in our life. Mm -hmm. We have to have something to do. Mm -hmm. So that's why we seek a job or a project or something that gets us out of the house. We get to do things. And Mm -hmm. and I think most jobs are things that you do. Okay. We have to have something to love. Mm. Okay. Now, that could be the job. Maybe you love your job. Maybe you don't love your job, but you love your family. You don't love your family, but you love your football team. You know, and so in your life, you have something to do and something to love. Yeah. And then there's a third thing: you have to have something to believe, mm. something that you think this is the, the meaning of life, this is the purpose of why I'm here, this gives my life meaning and focus and purpose. And so, let's suppose someone's life is very fractured. They do a job, they love their family, and then they go to church because they believe in something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That person's doing a lot of commuting. They're driving from work to home, to church, back to work again. Those people are rushing and rushing and yes. rushing because they're trying to get a balance. I've done some work. Now I need to love. Now I need to believe. Yeah, now I need that's right. to, and those people are, are never in the right place because mm. you see them constantly saying, well, that's enough work. Now I have to go home and love. You know, so we, we are trying to wrangle together three possibly contradictory things. This very wise woman mm-hmm. drew sort of a Venn diagram of three circles that were interconnected
2: mm-hmm.
1: and said, you know, if the thing that you do you don't love and you don't believe in, then you're going to be racing in three spots. But what if you found something that you could do that you loved? Mm-hmm. So when I was the apprentice vegetable manager at Safeway, mm-hmm. uh, that was something to do, but I didn't love it. When I started working in the creative industry, I something that I did was something that I loved, but it wasn't something I believed in. Mm. And she sort of pointed to the middle of this little Venn diagram and said, happiness is right there.
2: Yeah.
1: It's in the middle. Now, there are things that you can do that you do well and you love them, but you don't believe in them.
2: Mm. So what
1: if you were to change them? What if you rethought them mm. so that you could believe in them? Mm. And so the reason why it took me a couple of years to move track is I had to think about, well, how do I use the skill set that I've got and still enjoy the work but somehow make it meaningful. And that's when I thought, well, you know, if I take the skills that I've learned about how do you convince people to do things, what if I was to give that knowledge to charities? you know, or to uh, not-for-profits or for environmental activist groups or people who are trying to convince human beings of something, they don't have those skills. I could give them those skills. Then I would find meaning and purpose in what I did. And I got to that point when I was about 30 and I started to be happy. I thought, I don't have to race from one place to the next. You know, what I'm doing with you now, I'm really enjoying, right? I'm doing something and I'm talking about something I believe in.
0: That's great.
1: It is great, but it means I'm not in a rush to go anywhere. Yeah. You're never going to see me. I mean, I've got a watch. I'm not going to look at my watch and say, I've got to go now because I've done my work and now I have to do something to love. If they become the same thing, you become incredibly centered Mm -hmm. and you become dedicated to a purpose and you don't have to race around very much. Now, it took me a couple of years to get there. You know, it's not like I flicked a switch, but I got there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been there ever since and I'm not going back.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. It's like, do the kids have been happy, right? Okay. Mm,
1: yeah. But you look at your work and say, is it meaningful to me? Mm-hmm. If it's not, find something it is. Yeah. you know, And that's what you'll find a lot of people do after retirement. Mm-hmm. Look at someone who works in a job that they don't particularly like, right, and then at 65 they retire and then they volunteer. Have you yeah. noticed? Yeah.
2: They,
1: they go off and they become charity workers or firefighters mm-hmm. or something they've always wanted to do. Mm because now they think they're free to do it. In whatever years they have left in their life, they're gonna start doing something which they've always wanted to do. Yeah,
0: but it's leaving it for
1: much later though. Yeah, that's right. And I'll tell you something, because I grew up in an artistic family, Mm -hmm. I saw people who were very successful in in, in work, in business, they were very productive, very wealthy, but none of them seemed terribly happy. Hmm. I didn't meet any of them that seemed to enjoy their work or look forward to going to work the next day. Yeah. It was like, this is a thing that I do yeah. so that I can afford this big house. That's right. So they chased the money, but they didn't seem to have happiness. When you work in an artistic, if you grew up in, in a creative or artistic background, what you see are people who do things that make them very happy. They love painting or they love drama, or. They but they struggle to find money. That's right. Right? And that's very often that what you're given is to say, well, you have to make up your mind.
2: Mm-hmm. If you want money,
1: forget about the things you love yeah, and just pull your head in and work for the man. yeah, right? But the thing is, I did meet people who took an idea, something that they loved, something that was creative, and they figured out how to make a living out of it. And my dad was one of those people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. You've actually figured out, find out what you love, and then work out how it can be commercial. How can you generate enough value out of this thing that you love that people will pay you to do it? And we don't talk to our kids that way. We say, go out the backyard, strangle your dreams, and then go over here and get a job. And it's a very bad piece of advice. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's this totally the advice that I get from, because I'm from Singapore. Yeah. That's how we work. Like, oh, my God. Get, get yeah. a job in the bank and, you know, that's all, all the way up. and yeah. Like, why are you doing the bank? And I'm like, ah, oh, because I don't
1: believe it. Because you have to do it. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, actually, I'll tell you what, we should go yeah. to Singapore together. Let us walk yeah. through those big streets in, in Singapore. Find me a park bench. <laughs> Find me any place where someone could sit down and just watch the world go past. There isn't, yeah. Because in Singapore, like in a lot of big cities, if you're not actually working and making money, you better be shopping.
0: <laughs> that's right. Because yeah.
1: that's the only two things we want from you. You're yep. an economic unit, yes. and you've got to you've got to produce and consume. Yep. Your happiness has nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, and that's a terrible way to treat a human being. You know,
2: it's
1: true. And I'll tell you something else. If you look now, some of the richest people on earth now are creative. Think about, okay, we're we're in an era now of entrepreneurs, which I didn't have when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like if you said to me, name an entrepreneur, I would have thought, I don't know, like Thomas Edison. Like I'd be really struggling. But you ask my kid and he's going to say, I don't know, Elon Musk or Richard Branson, you know. or uh, You just name all of these people who have got ideas Mm -hmm. and have figured out how to pay, how to keep themselves just doing that thing. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing people now whose passion is actually their business. I really admire that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, it, those people, okay, you want to send your sports car to Mars? Okay, that seems like a nutty idea, but hey, why not? Go for it. You've got people whose passion is their work, mm. and they seem happier to be.
0: Yeah, and I guess to your point, it's just really slowing down the thing what you want for the long term, what you're really passionate about, what That's you can right. actually work on, what gives you that purpose and, and punch right. in life.
1: And there's one way, I've done work with, say, kids in high school, mm. and it, the hardest thing in the world is to talk to a teenager about their passion. Because they haven't got one.
0: Yeah, that's they, right. they don't.
2: They it's don't.
1: Because they don't know. Yeah. And they'll say, "Oh, my passion is uh, football. Or oh, my passion is fashion. Or oh, my passion is..." And they don't know. They don't know what they're saying. Passion is something that you cannot stand not doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not just something you'd be interested. In. It's something that you really have to do. You couldn't bear the thought of not doing. And so when I'd say to kids, you know, oh, you know, what's your passion? They would really stumble, right? And I'd say, "Let me. Okay, let me ask you a different question. What do you hate? What is it you absolutely hate?" What
0: do I hate? I don't know, I just, well, I guess people who are, who are rude or, you know, just rushing and not being thoughtful about a lot of things.
1: So so a, th- yeah. a thoughtless, yeah. cruel society, yeah. you know what I mean? So then you might also hate injustice or you yes. might hate cruelty or you might hate yeah. waste or you might hate something else. There you go. Hate is a perfectly valid passion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hate is a motivator. Okay. If someone says, mm-hmm. You think about someone who, I don't know, campaigns to save the Lowland Mountain gorilla. Maybe they love gorillas, quite possibly, Mm -hmm. but I know they hate the extinction of gorillas. So their hate drives them to do something about that. Mm. And these are some of the most passionate and focused people you're ever going to meet. You think about Doctors Without Borders or Engineers Without Borders. If you work with these people, they are highly passionate, but the passion isn't, I love engineering. Yeah, well, It might be, but nine times, but it's almost always, I hate to see inequity and injustice. Yeah, And perhaps I could take the skills that I've learned and do something really powerful with them.
2: Mm.
1: So in a way, love and hate are both good drivers. They're both good motivators. I love people's creativity and I hate their stupidity.
2: <laughs> and
1: that gives me two engines. Yeah. You know, I can look at the th- dumb things that we do as a race yeah. and that can motivate me as much as brilliant things that we do as individuals, you know. Oh,
0: cool. Sounds like we've got a lot to take away tonight.
1: But, but it's finding yeah. that thing in the middle. Like, yeah. That's what my life is for, Yeah. you know.
0: Agree. Um I'm just a bit mindful of time at the moment. Um just oh, don't worry about time. Yeah. it's not a problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. Um just wondered if you have any last shout-out before we call you at night for the moment.
1: Shout-out? What do you yeah, mean?
0: Like do you have anything to where can the listeners find you?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Okay. Um well I'm pretty easy to find. I mean mm-hmm. I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Probably yeah. the best place to go, I think though, where we've put most of our materials at is mindsatwork.com. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mindsatwork.com.au. There you go, <laughs> mindsatwork.com.au. That's the blog, and that's where we put up articles on all of this sort of stuff on thinking and being and mm-hmm. solving problems and all the rest of it. And we really encourage people. All the stuff there is free. You can just download anything you like. We encourage you to share it as far as you want, and you know, engage with us. You know, argue with us. That's that would make our life interesting. That's
0: great. Yeah. Yeah, I think then tonight, maybe we should just slow down and give it a read. On, on your box slow down,
1: like give it a rate.
0: <laughs> All right, awesome. Thanks, Jason.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity.